but man, it's a uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Tim Kimberly. Get the privilege of being a pastor here at Sacred Mission. And we are continuing in our membership series. Uh, once again, like it was the question, is this where the church gets weird? And I think it's good for us just to own that we've been weird from day one. So we're just staying weird by having covenant membership. And uh, we have on our website and stuff why, why we're doing this. And what we've been doing is aiming at here are the distinctives that we're aiming at that we feel like the Lord has really called us into as a church. And so uh, three, I think a few weeks ago or whatever, we spent the, the whole time on gospel-centered, why that is so stinking important for rural central Iowa, uh, why, Lord willing, that will be a, a distinctive that will outlive all of us, uh, where, where we hope that this would be a gospel-centered work for generations, that uh, we would be people of the Bible that we'd be people of scandalous grace, how much our hearts need that, how much our community needs that scandalous grace. And before we jump into this next distinctive, I thought it might be good to kind of do a little membership business or something for a lack of better term, since we, we only have one week of this left before. And next week, we'll share a little bit more of just the tangible, okay, what does this look like? What does it look like to become a covenant member uh, of the church? But I, I do want to truly like invite everyone to really consider being a covenant member. So the kids can't be covenant members right now. You have to be 18. We'll look at that. But, uh, but if you're over 18, I seriously want you to, to consider being a covenant member, um, but I also want it to be so clear that every person is incredibly invited. Anyone in our community is absolutely invited. I've had people text me and be like, is it okay if I invite this friend to church? And I'm like, don't ever text me that again. Like, it is, I don't care who they are. I don't care what they've done, what's been done to them. Like, they are always welcome. I mean, that is that's not just our heart, like, it's because that's Jesus's heart that we can so be like, oh yeah, he would love to meet with you there, because he, uh, that's his heart, and he's shown that to each of us personally. He's shown that to those around us. Um, but what I would encourage is if you have given your life to Jesus, and if you consider this your church, then really consider becoming a covenant member uh, of the church. And on every, on every chair, or every other chair, there's a little printed handout. So we're just going to take a minute and just walk through that. And it's requirements and expectations. So if you get on the side that says requirements and expectations. So this is basically like, okay, is there like, uh, are there requirements to be a member? And it's like, yes. Now, thankfully, we should never have like 52 requirements. We should never have a huge list of requirements because uh, what you'll see, I think, is like, oh, these like make sense. So the first requirement for a membership is a profession of faith in Jesus. Like if you're a Buddhist, you are so welcome to be here. But if you're a Buddhist, becoming a covenant member of Sacred Mission Church is not for you right now. What is for you is to let us love you, serve you, um, let us uh, come around you, invite you into hearing of Jesus, invite you into our community groups, invite you into as we serve food uh, in the city of Collins and stuff, invite you into being part of that. But becoming a covenant member of Sacred Mission means, it means something. And one of the things it means is that you've put your faith in Jesus. And so that might seem super simple, but it's good just as we're meeting with people who want to become covenant members, we're not going to assume that someone has responded to Jesus. 
So we're not going to say, oh, your, your grandparents went to this church, your parents went to this church, you've gone to this church, I'm sure you're good. Like, just sign on the dotted line or whatever. Like, we're, we're never going to assume that in our community. We actually want to hear people say, I have put my faith in Jesus. He is my Savior. So first, a profession of faith in Jesus. Second, submission to the authority of the Bible so that we can truly, as a covenant member, say, this is my authority. This is our ultimate authority. So man, like our culture can speak to us. We can speak to ourselves. Um, all, all sorts of, we can have parents, grandparents say things of us. But what this says of us clarifies and speaks the the absolute into our heart of what is true and that we would be a requirement of us if if you're like hey i want to be a covenant member and the bible is not for me and i won't follow it i would say like please keep coming but this is not a good time for you to become a covenant member uh, because we're all going to hold each other to living in the freedom that the bible shows us so we can truly flourish and then third is baptized as a christian so that, that's kind of intentional language. Some of you, though, have been baptized by, as infants. If you're a part of a Presbyterian background church, if you're a part of a Roman Catholic uh, background church. And what I want to say to that is, like, let's just talk about it. Let, let's, I would love to have that conversation, see where your convictions lie uh, with a potentially being baptized younger. What I'd say is, is as we read Scripture, as we read the book of Acts, I think the, the main thrust of people who are putting their faith in Jesus is once you have put your faith in Jesus, you are then baptized. And so that's kind of the way that we're stepping into it as a church. So uh, I think a beautiful thing in the life of covenant membership is going to be having people baptize. You know, people who are just like, I don't know. Like I gave my life to Jesus 30 years ago. I have no idea why I publicly like, haven't been baptized. And we say, like, wow, this is a great moment to be baptized. And so let's step into that together. Um, and then fourth is belief in sacred missions confessional statement. And so that's what's on the bottom or on the back of the page. Um, some of the art, the printer that we use, like I don't know if the font size is too small, but it's a little, uh, it's a little hard to read for some of you. But we'll post that on uh, we'll send that in happenings. So if you don't get happenings, let us know and we'll get you on the weekly email and we'll send all this out through a PDF too. I'm not going to walk through that, but I'm just going to say like that is hopefully what every church in the world would confess. So there isn't, we're not like throwing a, a quick one by you, you know, by putting it in small print there. Like hopefully what we're just saying is, is as we read the Bible, Lord willing, all of us would confess these things together. Do you confess these things? And, and if you're like, well, I don't think there's a resurrection. Uh, once I die, I think that's it. It's like, okay, like, you're welcome here. Um, let's keep studying Scripture together because I think you'll see that the, how Jesus conquered death actually allows us to live with him forever who are followers of him. And so, so stuff like that in the confessional statement I think is really important to articulate. And then as people become covenant members, you can say like, yes, uh, I've read the confessional statement and I believe it. I agree with it, that it accurately reflects the teaching of scripture. And then fifth, an ongoing commitment to a life of repentance and following Jesus. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. <laughs> if you were, I could not be a covenant member at Sacred Mission. What I am saying is there is and needs to be a time when you put your faith in Jesus, and then you don't say to Jesus, see you in heaven, 
You just kind of go interact with other people, Jesus. I'm good. I'll see you in heaven. I'm good now. But instead, we actually then enter into a life of walking with him, and we get changed from the inside out, and, and the Lord shows us areas to repent and shows us new areas where he says, follow me even now. Follow me here and we see new ways to follow him. So as a requirement of covenant membership is we have put our faith in Jesus, and we're also committing to saying, I desire, I desire to follow him every day for the rest of my life. And that would, that would be a mark of us as covenant members. So it's a commitment, but we all know that, um, that we, will, we will need to repent and we'll need his scandalous forgiveness towards us. So six, an agreement to the expectations of members. So we have requirements, then we have expectations. So the expectations are just like, hey, this might not characterize you right now, but like this is where, this is the trajectory of where we're heading as we hopefully are discipled by him and we are sharpening each other. And so if you're like, yeah, I agree with the requirements, but the expectations, I disagree with all of them. Then I'd say like, hey, this is not a good time for you to become a covenant member here, which is great and it's fine. Like you are so welcome here. But for those who are becoming covenant members, there's an, you are agreeing to the expectations. And then uh, seventh, or sorry, uh, the last one. The last one is uh, one that I wish we didn't have actually, uh, but it is that you are at least 18 years of age. So that is like a legal thing. Uh, but what it does mean is that when someone becomes 18, we're no longer going to just include this as like, oh, you're a child of two covenant members of our church. Because we'll have husband and wives each become, so we might have a wife become a covenant member and not a husband, vice versa. But the kids, if there's one covenant member, the kids will kind of be included as like, these are children of our covenant members. But once someone becomes 18, we would actually invite them on their own to become covenant members of Sacred Mission, which would be a really fun, beautiful day for those who do become covenant members. Uh, maybe some of the kids that are having fun right now uh, would, when they turn 18, become covenant members and just walk more in that. So, so those are the requirements, and, and love to talk about those. If, the, if you desire some clarity on those, love, love the opportunity to clarify some things. Uh, now, expectations. Like, these are just, yes, I agree that these are expectations. So the first one is weekly participation in Sunday gatherings. Uh, life can get super busy, uh, business trips, vacations, sports stuff, all sorts of things can keep us from gathering on Sundays. Now, so it's the expectation of, yes, like, I want to be gathered with the body that I'm a part of whenever I'm able to gather with the body. And I looked, there are like 13 or 14 people or families gathered online right now, and they are actively, I think the chat room is more active than I've seen it in a while, uh, and which is encouraging because yes, you're, you're gathering online, we're gathering in person. And uh, I remember talking to a, a guy who's a pastor of one of the largest churches in America, and they have all of these analytics of the people who visit their church and stuff. And they were like, on average at our church, people come about once a month. And I remember just thinking, like, like, that's just, like, unfortunate in some ways because I think, like, what people are missing, seeing Jesus do beautiful things. I mean, gosh, having Philip and Missy here today, like, 
I wouldn't want to miss that, you know, because, and it's unexpected, you know, but it's just like as, as we gather, as we worship together, as we confess together, as we hopefully have the opportunities to, there are people carrying some really, really heavy things in here today that I would love the opportunity for us to really enter into that with them, pray for them, encourage them, be encouraged with each other. Um, and if it's just like, man, however much the Lord allows, I'm, I'm all in uh, with our Sunday gatherings. Then active participation in a sacred mission community group. I would love for it to, you know, if someone was like, yeah, I'm, I am a covenant member of sacred mission, but I've never been a part of a church service. Not one online, not one in person. I think you'd be like, are you sure? <laughs> like, maybe you just know about it, but I don't know if you're like engaged, you know. And I would love for us to have an expectation that our community groups feel that way where it's like, man, I, like this is a, uh, like scheduling sometimes can feel like a nightmare. If it's like, like there are guys where I've been trying to have lunch with them for weeks and our schedules are just like clanging, you know? And it's just like, man, I want to get together with you. I know you want to get together with me. We just can't make this thing work for maybe like a few weeks with you got a thing, I got a thing. And what I love about our community groups is it's saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just set one night a week and say, I'm devoting that to draw closer to people, to sharpening each other, and I have that night, that night is set aside for discipleship. Discipling my friends, being discipled, loving each other, and so, uh, so man, I would love for us, we're going to fire those back up in September. We're trying to kind of look at, I, we're praying about maybe starting one on, on 30 for people who are coming from that direction, but uh, know that, that we're hoping to be able to have a space for everybody to be able to not just come, but invite friends to, to actually be able to, to be engaged. Because some, we've had some people come to Jesus through community groups without even coming to the church yet on a Sunday gathering, and that would be awesome to see that keep happening through our covenant membership. So um, the third one is to regularly pray for and engage non-Christians. It's so easy for us to be the center of our universe, and we want Jesus to be the center of the, our universe. And so uh, I think a good way is just for us to pray for and engage people that we know are not right now walking with Jesus in the way that, that by his grace we're able to. And, and uh, as we looked at, I think, last week, Jesus saying, like, he didn't come for the healthy <laughs> He, he, he came for those who are the sinners, who actually need a doctor, is the ones that he's coming for. And so for us to be able to pray for and engage people, to let them know of the treasures that they have in what Jesus is offering for them, I'd love for that to just be an expectation that all of our covenant members are like, I want to grow in that. I want that to be me. Fourth, uh, regular and faithful giving to Sacred Mission. Our church is crazy generous already. So many give regularly and sacrificially. Um, and I think that for each of us, I'd love for us to grow in building his kingdom, not ours. In, in saying, instead of saying, mine, 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 saying yours, 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 more and more would be, would be awesome. Just for all of us to say, yes, that's an expectation that I do want to give regularly. I want to give faithfully to sacred mission. Fifth is guarding the unity within the church body. Uh, I was thinking about just how Jesus refers to the church as his body, and a body has like an immune system, right? Uh, that's functioning in a healthy way. We have an immune system. And whenever there's something coming in that we know is, danger, is in danger of threatening the health of the body, like 
it's like all hands on deck with the immune system trying to make sure the whole body is healthy. And we have a key time in history right now where disunity can be not just in here, but just be saturating everywhere we look. And so for us to actually say, like, you know what, I'm going to actually fight for giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to fight for unity. Um, and that's just going to be a part of what we do as a covenant membership as we guard this unity so that, as, as Jesus taught us, like, they'll know that we're his disciples based on our love for one another. Uh, then sixth is to follow the leadership of Sacred Mission Church. So uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'd never lead anybody into sin, lead anybody into uh, places that would be hurtful for them. But to say like, man, those jokers that are leading this church are not perfect. Um, I do think that they're following Jesus as best as they can. So we're going to follow them as they follow Jesus. We're going to be praying for each other, which is the seventh one, praying for both the church and church leadership. Um, that we hope to see elders and deacons be raised up and installed in the life of the church in, in the next years to come. And those will be more leaders, Lord willing, that we pray for and that, that we follow. And so, so both following and praying for church leadership is an expectation of what we're, we're seeking to, uh, to do. And then the last one, it might seem really weird, but if you leave, leave well and notify an elder. Uh, and right now, I'm currently the, the only elder on the ground here at Sacred Mission. And, and once again, we're praying that there would be multiple elders. So we kind of put that as just notify an elder as a, so that that would hopefully work in the next few years too. But my experience is there are some people who leave churches saying, no, like I, I got to go find somewhere else. But it's somewhere else where I can be anonymous and what was starting to happen, I think, was Jesus was using his body to, like, sharpen you. But maybe the Lord showed you something you didn't like, and so you just bolt. And my experience has been some people, when they actually sit down, it can be a really beautiful moment to say, like, okay, yeah, the Lord might be leading you, but I want to make sure you're not running away from Jesus. So he might call you to a different church, but don't run away from Jesus by going to a big church where you can sit in the back row and no one will know you. Because you were starting to be known, and then you bolted because you didn't like what Jesus was trying to, to take you, you know, or something like that. And so, so, and man, there might be beautiful, like the Lord does, uh, he shuffles the deck, he does be like, hey, I'm going to use these people here. And so too, like part of someone going to a different church can be a beautiful time of us sending you and saying like, hey, we, we're behind that, and we want to send you. We're on the same team, and if you're called to go to Collins Christian Church or wherever it may be, it's like we would love to be all around that and send you to that. So, uh, so those are just, that's a little family business. I know I took a, a while there, but this will probably be the only time in the history church I go through all of those on a Sunday morning. Um, if there are any questions about these, like to hear more about them or just make sure it's clear, let's talk. Um, our goal is not to just have as many people as possible be members. Like, that is truly not our goal, but our goal is for us to intentionally know and be known as parts of the same living body. And uh, for the rest of today, though, we are going to go through a distinctive rather briefly, uh, but we're going through our distinctive of be having a rural vision. Having a rural vision is our, our fourth distinctive that we're looking at. And this is a distinctive that probably a church in an urban area is not going to have. It's a distinctive that someone in like Kathmandu, like in the city center, they're probably not going to say like, hey, one of the things that characterizes us is a people with a rural vision. 
Um, but I think it's appropriate for that to be something that characterizes us in rural central Iowa. Um, not everybody gets to live in the most amazing place in the world, and we do. So there you go. So uh, uh, we're, we're sorry to you all that are going back to Nepal, but no, we, you get Mount Everest and we get 10-foot-tall corn. So there you go. Um, so Matthew 16, 18 is a passage of Scripture that has been very formative for our church. It's been formative for me personally at times that I'm seized with fear. Uh, seized with fear years ago of like, is this going to be the worst idea ever, a way to crash and burn my family by thinking that a church could be planted in rural central Iowa? Um, times that, um, man, uh, things like COVID can come up and be like, is all of this being, being derailed? What's going on here? So Matthew 16, 18 is kind of, we're kind of picking up in the middle of a conversation, but uh, I, we're just going to look at a snippet. It's good to look at the whole context, but today we're really focused on a snippet. And these are Jesus's own words. And what my hope is, is that they do become an anchor for us, that they do become a distinct, distinctive power and um, passion that, that we live from. I love that they're yelling like that. That's... It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. Unless if like they're doing a coup against Madison right now and <laughs> it's like Lord of the Flies back there, then it would be really bad. <laughs> but we'll pretend it's really good right now for the time being. Matthew 16, 18. Can I pray to you before we open, open up this passage to us? Lord, I do ask that even though we don't have a lot of time, you were able to say the most profound things in one sentence. So, and this is an example, um, and Lord, I just ask that what maybe personally you want to do in our hearts through this, your words, Lord, would we receive them even as if you just knocked on our door, came in our living room, sat down with us, and you wanted to just talk one-on-one -on -one with us, would we have that type of an encounter with you through your word? Those who are in here and maybe aren't even sure if you're real, maybe not even sure if you're good, maybe not even sure if you're close, Lord, would you do what you do? Reveal yourself to us. Lord, none of us want to get up, come here and play at church. We all want to authentically meet with you, be around. We want to be known. We want a sisterhood to develop. We want a band of brothers to be formed, uh, not just to be a social club, but to truly be a people on mission with you directing us. And so whatever these words, whatever your scripture would contribute to us, coming alive even more than we are right now in you, uh, we just say yes and amen to that. Would you not find walls coming up as you are speaking to us, but would you find um, openness? Even if it's scary, would we realize that you are good, you are for us, and uh, you, are, you are leading us to the way, the truth, and the life? And so, Lord, please empower this time through your word, we pray. Amen. Uh, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says very simply, clearly, and powerfully, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, there was a time that Collins, I, I think uh, from 1956 to 1987 or something, I might be wrong, but my, my grandparents had a grocery store on Main Street, and there was a time that there was a, another grocery store on the other side of Main Street. So Main Street Collins had two grocery stores, and if you kept going past the bank, um, there was a bowling alley up there. The building's still there, and I'm told there's still a lane in there, so maybe we can find a way to have a party in there sometime. But, um, but that happened. Like, that was real. There was a time that, that there were two restaurants in Collins. Two restaurants. Maybe there were more, but I know at least one time because one of the signs for the restaurant is in my shed. <laughs> so, so I know that the fountain cup at one time was on Highway 65, and, um, and all that's gone, right? All of that was in the good old days of the past. And I think, like, if you read, there's a book that I have that talks about the, the like, 150-year history of Collins or 100-year history of Collins or something, and it talks about that there's a whole church section in there. And, man, inc- some incredible things were happening. Way more kids that are in kids' church right now were engaged with, church, like, part of a church at times during the history of Collins. And so I, I think if you read those histories, if you kind of observe our town and our mayor has done an incredible job and our city council and people have done an incredible job, I think Collins, we're probably like feeling more hopeful about Collins than we have in a lot of time. Uh, then, uh, then you look at Maxwell and Baxter and bonds that have been passed and stuff. But I think still it would be easy to say that the best days of Collins, Maxwell, Baxter, Colo, State Center, the best days of those communities were in the past. You know, when people moved to the urban centers and all that stuff, we just lost so much and it just kind of made us maybe like more hollow or something like that. And what I think is so amazing about Matthew 16, 18 is Jesus. Now, if he's not alive and if he's not well, He's not fulfilling Matthew 16, 18. If he is alive and if he is well, he is leading the charge of building his church. So if you say, who built Sacred Mission Church? Who planted Sacred Mission Church? We named it Sacred Mission Church, believing that Jesus himself is still on a sacred mission for the people of rural central Iowa, and we're just following him. He says, follow me, and we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just getting started in rural central Iowa. We're just getting this thing going. I am alive and well, and I'm planting churches. I'm revitalizing churches. I'm giving renewed power and passion to the people who make up the churches here. And as long as he is alive and well, and he's still building his churches here, we can say, man, I have so much hope for what Jesus is doing here because I know he is building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is just a great, I think he's got a little bit of humor in this section too, because like you've never seen an army of gates coming across the countryside, getting ready to like decimate your country, right? Like a gate doesn't function that way. At the time that he was saying this, a lot of cities had these super thick walls, like archaeologists in Jerusalem have found walls that were over 10 feet thick going up 
super high. They think because of how wide it was at the base that these things were really tall. So you had these gigantic walls that went all the way around the city, and then there was a gate. And so if you're going to go and like destroy that city, you're not going to be like, let's burrow through all of the walls. And a lot of those were stone walls. Uh, and you're not going to do that. You're going to try and get through the gate. It's like, let's go through the front door. You know, like that's what you're going to be doing. And so gates are defensive. They're defensive mechanisms. And what I love about Jesus' statement here is that he's saying, if you look at pockets of darkness, maybe a meth house that is on a gravel road not too far from here, a pocket of darkness there, or you just look generally the church is not this like feeble, oh, I hope we don't get too tainted by the things that are happening in our culture right now. The way that he's writing Matthew 16, 18 is we are kicking down the doors of hell, the gates of hell, where darkness is like, this is a hotbed of darkness. It's like, well, I think Jesus is like on the offensive. He's on the move. He's building his church and those things are going to be kicked in as things are, are growing and as he's about what he's about. We've had too many suicides just in the last year in our community. And it's, man, there's so much darkness. And he's building his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's why we can be courageous. That's why we can have a rural vision. If someone's like, oh man, you have no idea like how hopeless that town is. There hasn't been person come to Jesus in decades in that town, and there's no church that believes this anymore in that town. And we'd be like, game on. Like, and they're like, wow, you're really confident. It's like, no, I'm not confident, but I know the one that is. And that's the one that I follow, and he is successful, and he is humble and powerful, and I'm on board with what he's doing. And, uh, and this is true for cities, too. You know, that's why we can be excited with people in a city of three million people to be like, man, tell me what you're seeing him do. How can we pray? How can we be alongside you? But then also, like, look what he's doing here. And so where does this lead us? Like, how does this lead us to be a people with a rural vision? I just had like three, I'm sure there's like 85, but I just had like three things that I think are good for us to, to chew on this morning. And the first is that a rural vision prays and plans for rural revival. I think our prayers, uh, I think Bryce prayed this uh, outside before at 9.15, we circle up for about 20 minutes and pray. And uh, we were praying for rural revival. I think, or I think maybe my mom prayed for that. But uh, our prayers and our plans are assuming that as Jesus builds his church, the light of the world will be unleashed. And that's not us being, like, in my personality, like, I can almost always spin something positively, and I could be, like, the most Eeyore person and be praying for revival because of the one who is at the head of the church. Um, we were, during our, our youth camp out in Story City, it was interesting. I think I've mentioned this already a couple times, but it just really struck me how both sober and aware the director of that camp was about how few people in Story City, beautiful town, I mean, you've got a carousel in your town. I mean, come on, you can like live that out whenever you want. Um, and how few people there 
are followers of Jesus and how few people are connected to any church at all and not being a part of a body. And they said, like, and Story C's got a lot of Lutheran, and even that camp is a Lutheran camp. And they even were like, we don't care if Lutheran's at the top. Like, we're even thinking about starting things that aren't Lutheran just to see how we could reach people. And I love just the rural vision that he had of, like, like Jesus is on the move. We would love to see him, and we're praying that we'd see him in Story City be on the move. And I think as covenant members of Sacred Mission, and man, maybe the Lord will call us to be a part of planting a church in Story City or seeing how we can be a part of that. Um, and just looking at Jesus being like, I loved how Bryce prayed that. Like, Lord, however you want to use the funds of our church, however you want to use relational connections and all that stuff that's important in a rural area, um, we just look to you like you're kicking in the gates of hell and we would love to be a part of that. And I think as covenant members with a rural vision, to not just see what is, to not just see what's there, but to see what could be, and to pray accordingly, and to maybe even plan accordingly. Okay, let's assume the Lord's going to spark a revival in state center. Okay, what's that going to look like? What, what would those leaders look like? What, what would be needed there for us to be able to be a part of seeing a church thrive there in Baxter or Colo or wherever it may be. So a rural vision prays and plans for rural revival. But then secondly, a rural vision delights to be on mission here. A rural vision delights to be on mission here. And, you know, my story was I, I met Jesus in college at UNI on the rugby team there. And then, um, and then just in my mind, I was just like, well, I'm going to go to college and probably go somewhere, somewhere else. And it just wasn't in even my thinking of just being here and, and what that could look like. And I think, like, Lord willing, um, like, I'm so, like, there's nowhere else on planet Earth I would rather be than in this room right now. And I would love for all covenant members of Sacred Mission to feel that way while we're here. And we're probably going to end up being a sending church. We probably will send a lot of our students to different parts of Iowa, maybe different parts of the country, and we'll be like, we're sending missionaries that we've been able to disciple here, form here, and we want them to love being on mission wherever God sends them. But those who are covenant members here, would we have a rural vision where we delight to be on mission here? Uh, Romans 10, 14 through 15 is beautiful. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news like wherever they go and uh, yes i'm preaching right now but i think this passage is talking about like this is something we all do when, when we speak, when we proclaim, when we share with people about Jesus. And um, man, I just think like to be at Old Settlers over the weekend in Maxwell and to just be like, I get to be on mission here. I get to be a person that um, maybe someone for the first time hears good news. Like, I think we've had, like, five years worth of bad news in 2020 already, right? Like, it's just like, and it's probably, probably going to be a lot of bad news. And there are some people maybe in our community that would say, I have not heard one shred of good news this month. 
And not for us to, oh man, I feel so guilty. But instead to be like, what's that again? How beautiful are the feet. And you can have the most ugly feet in the world, but how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Because it's beautiful where they're taking you. And how those feet are taking you maybe up to someone who everybody else walks away from. And you're walking towards them. And that is beautiful. And you're sharing about some of the good news that you have. And uh, man, like for the rest of 2020 to be a time where they could be like, hey, I might not even believe with everything that those sacred mission people talk about, but it's at least good news. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear it. And I'm considering it. I would say, yes, like that is our part of a rural vision is delighting to be on mission here. Um, it's not, I have a friend in rural North Carolina who he says a lot, there's no Calvary that's coming over the hill to reach everybody in our community. Like, you know, we're not like this like urban area maybe of like, well, there are 22 other churches that are proclaiming the gospel in our neighborhood or something. It's like, we're his plan A. He would have a plan B probably if we all like hide, but, uh, but we have the delight to be his plan A of, of preaching the good news. And then third, a rural vision believes God does big things in big places and big things in small places. Oh, yeah, it's a little different on there. But uh, a rural vision believes God does big things in big places and big things in small places. I did a little search online, and there are 947 cities in Iowa. 947 cities in Iowa. There's only 80-some that are over 5,000 people. So there are over 800-plus communities in rural Iowa, less than 5,000 people. So there's no way, and I think half of those are less than 500 people, places like Collins. So at least half of all communities in Iowa have population of Collins or smaller. And like it is beautiful, like it truly is beautiful that the Lord has great works where he is on the move in Des Moines, he's on the move in Ankeny, He's on the move in Ames, in Cedar Rapids. Like those things are beautiful, great churches that God has called people to. And to have a rural vision, though, of saying he doesn't need very, very many raw materials. <laughs> so there's a concept called creation ex nihilo, from nothing. It's like, man, if I was going to create the world, I'd be like, I need a whole, like, I need a world's worth of raw materials. And I still won't, there's no YouTube video, right? I still won't know how to do it, but I need a world worth of raw materials. He makes everything out of nothing. He uses 12 disciples to unleash the gospel on the entire Roman Empire. Potentially there were a million followers after 100 years or so, uh, by some estimates. And for us to be like, we're a town of 450 people. We're a community maybe of 8,000 people within 15 miles of here or so. And it's like, that's a, like, he can do huge things, huge things. He's doing big things in big places, and he can do incredibly huge things in our community. And, um, man, I think for us with a rural vision, you know, for, we've, we had a person we were praying for uh, that came 
a guy I met with last Monday who's from San Diego, or he's from Iowa, is a pastor in San Diego, and he's like, I think God's maybe, it's so crazy, it's really crazy to say this out loud, but I think he's calling us to leave San Diego, move back to our rural town in Iowa, and plant a church. And I'm like, yeah, we can get behind that. <laughs> it's not crazy at all. We've seen him do that. And I think for them to know, like, hey, there are covenant members here at Sacred Mission that have a vision of what Jesus can do, not just in small places in Iowa, but maybe in rural villages in other parts of the world, too. And just the, the way that I think it's good for us to, like, bring it home this morning of a God who does big things in big places and does big things in small places is asking, like, is he doing a big thing in you? And it's not because, like, you're the superstar, but it's because of his power, his kindness, his love actually for you. Not just for the person sitting next to you, but his actual love for you. Is he doing a big thing in you? If he's not doing big things in our life, it's going to be hard for us to have this crazy big rural vision not because we're trying this church to be big, but because we know Jesus is on the move and, and we're, we're not caring what church is, has its name attached to things. We're just desiring him to build his church and for the gates of hell to not prevail against it and for us to not put up walls, but actually say like, hey, I actually want you to do big stuff in my life because of the type of God you are. Um, for some, that might be giving your life to Jesus and being like, man, maybe I was pushing you away because of my pride, because like, I wanted to show that I could do it on my own. And it's laying that down and being like, it's good to have a wood supply, it's good to have barns full of stuff, but like, those don't make good saviors at all. Jesus makes the only good savior that the Father says, yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you can stop running on the hamster wheel. Yes, you are free because of what Jesus did for us in paying the penalty of our sin. And so maybe in salvation, it's opening up to him to do a big thing in you in a small place of one human being on planet Earth. Uh, but also it might, be, it might be healing you physically. It, it may be um, healing relationships that have just gone so crazy in places you never thought they would go. Could be healing a marriage. Could be maybe just restoring hope inside of you. Maybe there's some people online that just, like, let him just flood you with the hope that only he can give you and let him do big things in you. Um, I would say if you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can believe that he's doing big things in me, um, or I think I believed that 20 years ago. Um, I've just kind of lost that. Like, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray alongside you. We'd love to talk about that. We'd love to, to go together to that place with you. Um, and one of the ways I think that's beautiful is to commune with him. What bigger thing than we can do in a small place than commune with him, meet with him, be present with him. And this was his idea, saying, I'm going to give you a tangible way for you to commune with me I will not be present with you bodily to take this with you again until we're, we're together in heaven. But as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, communing with me, 
uh, in the, the, it's like a cup within a cup, and we've been careful with who's touched this and everything. So if you just come up and just grab one cup, then uh, underneath the cup is, is the, there's a bread there, then we have juice. The bread is gluten-free, so if you are gluten-free or all of us, we can just take all the cups. Um, but what we'll do is we'll come and take these. The bread represents his body that was lived in our place. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. If you're a follower of, of Jesus, there's a warning in Scripture. Don't rush to the table. Repent of sin that he may be giving you, showing you at this time. Um, commune with him in those ways, and then come and take the elements. But then also, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, like this really doesn't mean anything. What I would encourage you to do is instead of taking communion, take Jesus Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. So, so let's all respond to him. Let's come. And the way we do it is get the elements, and then we'll just remain standing, and we'll take it together as family. So let's come to him.